Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review, and today we are talking about Halloween 2 from 1981. Directed by Rick Rosenthal, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance. This film picks up right where the first film left off on Halloween night as Michael Myers continues to pursue Laurie Strode and Dr. Loomis in turn pursues Michael. We covered Halloween last year, uh, the original as well as the remake, so you could go back and check out those episodes if you want to. And I'm hoping we're around long enough to cover every film in the franchise each year on Halloween, buddy. Yeah, I know. That'd be a a real uh, accomplishment. It's hard to wait, though. I kind of want to tackle some of these other ones pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, like, the plot uh, isn't so complex that, like, you have to, like, rewatch the one before it to remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what happened in the first one? Yeah. <laughs> who's this? <laughs> now, who's Michael? Yeah. <laughs> Which one is he? <laughs> and what's he trying to do again? <laughs> <laughs> it's his goal. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, man, I don't think I've seen, I think, I don't think I've seen four or five, and I've never seen the Rob Zombie ones. Uh, was H2O one of the Rob Zombie ones? No. <laughs> no, sir. Oh. <laughs> All right, so, so that was that was after Rob Zombie? Um, I think it was before. It was oh, definitely okay. before. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw H2O and Resurrection in the theaters, I think. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've seen any of them except, uh, yeah, the the first one, uh, the remake that we saw last year, and now this one. Cool. Yeah, um, I'm interested in seeing that, seeing the rest of them. I mean, I know that some of them aren't supposed to be that good, but I'm I'm attached to Michael. And and people talk up the Rob Zombie ones, right? Yeah, those are pretty polarizing. Some people really love them, and some people really hate them. Okay. But I'm down for them. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to check those out. Uh, yeah, we got to cover some Rob Zombie pretty soon too. Yeah. Uh, anyway, man, I recently watched on Shudder this movie called uh, Blood and Black Lace mm-hmm. by Mario Bava, who I think we mentioned in our episode on The Beyond by Lucio Fulci. Mm-hmm. Mario Bava is kind of considered. Um, like the Italian master of horror. Okay. And he made a lot of movies, and so did um, Dario Argento, made these movies that were called giallo films. They were cited as an influence on slashers, basically just Italian murder mysteries. And man, watching these two movies, that they really did have a lot in common. You can really see the uh, influence of this Italian subgenre on slasher movies. Wow, and that like what was that like in the seventies or sixties? Uh, sorry, it was nineteen. Blood and Black Lace was nineteen sixty three. Oh wow, okay, yeah, cool. So they they were like uh, murder, like slashers. Yeah, they were basically slasher movies. Okay, the OG. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to watch them sometime. Cool. And uh, Halloween, um, it wasn't the first. Uh, I guess. Texas Chainsaw was considered like one of the earliest slasher films in the U.S., right? Yeah. Gosh, we had this. If you do go back and listen to our uh, Halloween episode from last year, you'll hear us fumble through this whole conversation again. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of people cite either Peeping Tom or Psycho as the first slashers or maybe proto-slashers. Right, right. Those are both from 1960, I believe. 
Okay. And then things really got kicked off in more sincerity with like Texas Chainsaw and Black Christmas, which were both in the 70s. And then, well, Halloween. The first Halloween was in the 70s, too, in 1978. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Between okay, the for- three of those, it really, really got things going. Yeah, and pretty formative. Kind of fell into the very, very typical format formula. Yep, I saw this movie somewhere. It was also considered like a splatter film, um, which I guess it, it did get like way gorier than the first one. It, yeah, when you think about how little gore there actually was in the first one, it is much gorier. It kind of took more of a Friday the Thirteenth approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in a lot of that gore, it sounds like was added by Carpenter, like in editing or like at the end. To make it, it sounds uh, like he he felt the pressure to keep up with the trend, right? Right. Like that that Halloween had kind of kicked off, right? Yeah, yeah. Keep moving that needle up, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It does not sound like he was excited to make another one of these movies. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he was, and then it doesn't sound like the director was thrilled about like Carpenter adding in those gory scenes. Right. Yeah. It sounded like there was a pretty contentious relationship there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but th- that part's really weird because like Carpenter did the first one and then he hands it off to this guy to do the second one, and uh, you know watching it like it just feels very similar to the first one from like a director um, like camera work type of side uh, like he he kind of mimicked Carpenter pretty well on this one. Yeah. So this director Rick Rosenthal said he felt like it was kind of his duty to just try to stick to the first one as much as possible in terms of the feel of it because he's like well it starts immediately after the first one like it's the second part of the same story so he mm-hmm. felt like he he had to stick he felt like it would be the better decision to stick to the style yeah um a lot of the another reason for the cohesion in style is because it's the same director of photography boy sorry oh. i'm like choking <laughs> yeah yeah it's the same director of photography um dean cundy mm-hmm. oh okay. and Dude, this dude has done a lot. Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, Halloween, all the Back to the Futures, Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. Some of the biggest movies of all time. And uh, he's, he's a director. Dean was the director of photography for, or AKA a cinematographer. Wow, that's a pretty awesome career. Yeah. Yeah, that's man, it. and I, I really noticed it. I mean, Halloween is shot really well too, but one thing I noted during this movie was like, this is shot really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is camera work is pretty good and the setting the setting i feel like it was a great setting to work with this yeah like abandoned yeah right long empty corridors and stuff yeah yeah that was really effective yeah um it kind of i know like the first one you're like in a neighborhood and you're in these houses i thought they kind of captured like a similar atmosphere being in like an abandoned hospital you still have like these long dark hallways with like all these different rooms It, it kind of captured that same essence yeah, Michael really needs room to pursue somebody slowly while they run. Yeah, he's not good in the outdoors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and in, in an open field, he's, it's not his strong suit. <laughs> yeah. That's his weakness, open fields. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, this came out in 1981, same year as Friday the 13th Part 2. Mm-hmm. And the budget was two point five million, and it box office twenty five point five in North America. So it did really well. Yeah. Even though it kind of it got some mixed reviews, mostly bad it seemed. Yeah. How did that compare to the budget and the revenue from Friday the Thirteenth too? 
Friday the 13th to, I think, made... Oh boy, I can't remember the number, but it was very close to this. It oh, okay. was a little bit it was a little bit less, maybe mm. 24 if this made 25. Yeah. So okay. this movie ranked second of horror films for 1981 at the box office behind American War- Werewolf in London. Oh, okay. Cool. Which we should really cover that one soon. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to watch that one. Yeah. And dude, I always thought this was a different mask than the first one. Oh, yeah, I know. That's crazy. It's the same one, right? Yeah, it had just gotten pretty weathered. Apparently, it was like under the bed of Deborah Hill, who smoked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It made made its rounds in like people's pockets. Yeah, and they said it looked stretched out on Dick Warlock, who played Michael in this one, because he had a wider face. Right. But boy, it really did look different. Yeah, I, I liked that. Yeah, actually, no, I didn't like that. I I, I felt like the first one was the best. Oh, he because uh, in the first one, it's just like a clean, like brand new mask almost, right? Yeah, and it's just like, it's so blank. I I mm. thought that was really creepy about it. Right, right. Just like the raw expressionless of it. Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I could tell like in the movie that it looked different. But yeah, when it, when I was reading the up on it, yeah, people were talking about like how different the mask is. Yeah, like you can find images online where people, and people do it on Twitter a lot too, like vote on the best mask and they'll have images of all the masks. Mm-hmm. And the difference is more stark when you look at the pictures side by side. But oh, I bet. Part of it's the way the movie's shot, too. Like, you don't spend a lot of time just, like, close up on the mask. Yeah, that's what I feel like. You always saw him at a distance. Yeah. Although he was a bit more front and center in this one than the original, I thought, which we'll, oh. we'll talk more about in the review, I think. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting, and I'm not sure if I knew this before. I mean, it sounded familiar, but I guess Halloween, uh, this whole series was meant to be more of an anthology, and so it was just supposed to be these first uh, two films that were about Michael Myers uh, and Laurie, and then the next ones, and I think the next film, like, those two characters aren't even in there. It's something else, and that did bad, and then um, they brought these two back in for the rest of the series. But I, yeah, I, so mm-hmm. I don't think it was intended to be an anthology from the get-go. Oh, you don't think so? I think it was just the one-off movie, Halloween, that John Carpenter made for a very low budget. Mm-hmm. And then when that took off, the producers were like, let's make another one of these. And John Carpenter was not really into it. Mm-hmm. So he like punched out a sequel, and then I think it was for with. With the third one that they decided, like, hey, let's go the anthology route. Because oh, they had already okay. killed off Michael and Donald Pleasance, uh, Dr. Loomis. Yeah. And have you seen the third one? I have, yeah. Is that pretty bad? Um, It's okay. Okay. It's, um, at the time, people were not into it because it didn't have Michael. And I think the general consensus was that people were pissed but it's become very popular to go back and say like hey this is actually a really good movie yeah yeah and those cult Uh, classics yeah i think it's just an average movie but yeah it's got value okay it really is just it's it's its own movie completely yeah yeah i know and then the rest just go back to michael myers right yeah yeah Mm. they do i think Monetarily, that was the best decision. <laughs> yeah, they tried something different, didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Just kidding. Did you uh, hear about those murders at all that this movie inspired? 
I read something about a dude who claimed that Halloween 2 inspired him to do something horrible. Yeah, I think in 1982, uh, he killed like a couple or something, and then he cited this movie as uh, a reference. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've got an idea now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this movie brings up some interesting points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this dude that uh, played Michael Myers in this one, Dick Warlock, he was born in Oakley, Ohio. Oh, cool. Where's Oakley, Ohio? I think it's near Cincinnati. Okay. When I tried to Google Map it, it said Oakley, Cincinnati, Ohio. So mm. maybe it's like a neighborhood or it used to be a city and is yeah. now part of Cincinnati. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah no, okay. Oakley. What? Oakley, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Lame joke. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's awesome. Good connection. Yeah. Yeah, man, anything else, background on this movie, before we get rolling into the plot here? Uh, no, nothing else from my end. Cool. All right, man, well, uh, if you don't mind, let's just pause this and come back to it. I've got some uh, yard work to do, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. Cool, cool. I'll be right back. All right. Okay, man, I'm back. Hey, you get that yard work done? Not really, man. I, I was laying out in the grass the other day. When I got up, there was this really awkward outline of where my body was. And <laughs> whatever I do, I can't get rid of it. <laughs> it's one of those body stains on the grass. Yeah. <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> um, did you notice that when they showed the grass yeah. where he fell out of the window? There was yeah. an outline. Yeah, it was like when like a, there's like a dead body and they draw that chalk outline around it. Yeah, it's so <laughs> dumb. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty dumb. <laughs> but it was a bit of a clunky start to this movie. Yeah, which uh, I, 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 I guess uh, I mean like similar to like a lot of the sequels that we've seen, uh, they they just do that flashback again, right? Yeah, we've seen that in a few movies where they just show f- actual footage. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, Psycho Two. To show footage of the first one is the first thing you see. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was really common back then. Yeah. And again, none of these plots are that complex, so it's like, we know. We know <laughs> yeah, what happened. we get it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Unnecessary. Yeah. Um, so we start, as we've said, with some scenes of the last one just to kind of Get you in the frame of mind of where it left off. Michael's been shot by Dr. Loomis and he falls out of the window. And when Dr. Loomis looks out the window, he's gone. So the movie picks up right from there. And then you get some shots of Michael Myers roaming through the neighborhood. And these are all first-person shots, which I felt was pretty different than... There was definitely a lot of first-person shots in the first movie. But I think what's scary about the first movie is that you often see Michael kind of lurking in the background of the frame. And you don't see that as much in this one. No, you're right. Uh, was there? Yeah, you're right. You don't really see him. Uh, you just yeah, you're just seeing his uh, view. I guess you're right. You don't really see him like with the mask walking around that much. Yeah, you don't see him just kind of like lurking in the periphery, stalking somebody as much. I yep. mean, you, you do for sure, but I felt like the first one, the first 20, 30 minutes was a lot of like, oh, there he is in the bushes, or there he is by the clothesline. 
You're right. Yeah, that's one part I really missed. Uh, there, there was like uh, in the first one, you had such a long like uh, buildup of just him like watching people, and yeah, you missed that in this one for sure. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's walking through the neighborhood. He goes into an old couple's house and steals their kitchen knife, and uh, then he kills some random teenage girl. And a pop-out scare that I felt was a little uncharacteristic of Michael. Oh my god! I watched that one uh, like like repeatedly because he just like kind of like jumps up like a cat. Uh, she like walks <laughs> into the room and then he just like pops up. That was very uncharacteristic of Michael. It really it sounds like he should be saying ha. Yeah, like, gotcha. Comes out in front yeah. of her. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that was really weird. And, yeah. and, that, and that is like kind of one of the first times we see him like in action, I guess. It is. It's like the first scare of the movie and it was kind of like a, Ugh. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is all happening. He's, he's roaming the na- neighborhood. And meanwhile, we see Lori is getting taken to a hospital, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, for her injuries that she incurred in the first film. And also Dr. Loomis is continuing his pursuit of Michael and trying to get the police involved. Um, a sad and kind of weirdly improbable little side plot is there's some dude, teenager, wearing a mask similar to Michael, and he gets hit by a police car <laughs> that, like, <laughs> pins him against another car, and they all explode, and this dude burns to death. That was the craziest scene. He just, like, <laughs> it's like he's, what? He steps into this road, this, like, cop car just flies into him, and then it explodes. Yeah. That was so yeah, weird. It was a little, it was a li- a little strange. I did kind of like this side plot though because then it looked like maybe it could have been Michael, but he's burnt so badly that nobody knows. Mm-hmm. And so it's also it like gives, yeah, but we're also like fifteen minutes in. So like as a viewer, like don't you think everyone knows that that's definitely not Michael? Oh yeah, as a viewer, you know. But I thought it was kind of fun to watch Doctor Loomis and the police go through. Like, are we done here? Or like, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So all this is happening. Jamie Lee Curtis is taken to the hospital and basically the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie maybe is Michael making his way to the hospital. Uh, and then the bulk of the movie is just him lurking around the hospital's long, dark hallways and slowly killing off nurses, paramedics, security guards, etc. When we do movies like this, I feel like it's not necessary to walk through the entirety of the plot because really- sure. The plot is just a few minor things, and most of the movie is just murders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do feel the need to call out the hot tub scene. Oh, my God, yeah. I best. thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's like one of the best kills I've seen in a while. Uh, pretty creative. Yeah, it was creative and fun, and that one was really well shot, too. And you do get the... I think that recaptured the magic a little bit of Michael lurking in the background because... Mm-hmm. You see a shot of where we have in the foreground the one nurse who's in the hot tub and then her boyfriend who's off in the back fiddling with the knobs and then you see Michael come into the picture and just like silently kill him behind the frosted glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, and then he like uh, burns her face off basically. Yeah, then he just holds it. He turns up the temperature and of the hot tub and then holds her under until her face is like scalded. Yeah, those those well. I like the effects they used on that too, to, on her face. Yeah, good practical effects, and yeah, it is markedly gorier than the than the first one. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty ruthless kill. 
Yeah, I liked it. I, I feel like between uh, this film and the last one, like that's like one of the more more creative kills that we've seen. Yeah, yeah, I liked that, and that might have been part of the like we got to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, slash the Voorheeses. Yep. Yeah, I could see that. Um. So while all of this Michael Myers murder mayhem is happening in the hospital, Jamie Lee Curtis is in her hospital room, and she at some point has a dream about her mom saying, I'm not your real mom. Yeah. Which was very choppily edited and just kind of corny. Yeah, and she has this memory of like visiting like some kid, right, in like an institute. Yeah, yep. Forgot about that. Yeah, it was really weird. It, it just like kind of came out of nowhere, and it was like a minute or two. Really it quick. did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later we get some dialogue between Loomis and a hospital employee, a men- an employee from the mental hospital where Michael Myers was kept, who's come to basically like round up Loomis and be like, hey, you're done here. <laughs> um, you're done. <laughs> you're done. Yeah. They have some dialogue indicating that a secret file at the mental hospital has now been opened and it indicates that Lori Strode is Michael's biological sister and she was adopted after their parents passed away which it didn't really say if they passed away from natural causes or an unrelated accident that part for or, me was really hard to understand because like they kind of lay, lay out a timeline they're like well two years before Michael did this this happened and then three years after that this happened uh, and I was like trying to figure what, I, I was trying to like do some math there and it was just really hard for to put it yeah, all you can kind of tell this whole thing was kind of shoehorned in by yeah. Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Like, yeah, let's make Lori a sister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Loomis also investigates an elementary school where there's been a break in, and it's clear that Michael has been there. And he's written Sam Hain on the wall or the chalkboard or something, and he's also. Sp- stabbed a knife through a picture of a family that has two daughters and one son and the knife is through one of the daughters uh wait there were two daughters i i thought there were only four people there and, and that one that he stabbed is um the one sister there were, oh, there, was were... there only was there only four i thought there were two sisters and a brother indicating uh... that like i'm gonna i killed one sister now i'm gonna go kill the other yeah yeah you know that 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 makes more sense from a, a concept standpoint yeah. Um, well, regardless, probably, there's a, a family yeah. with a the daughter with a knife through it. Yeah. Like, ominousness of what Michael plans to do. Yeah. Which I thought this was kind of silly and unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> like, he had to go to elementary school and find, like, a drawing of a family <laughs> and then <laughs> stab it. Here's yes. what I'm going to do first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave this clue behind, and I'm going to write this word. So what did the word Samhain uh, have anything to do with the plot? You know, that's a good question. I feel like Loomis went on a soliloquy about it, and I don't remember quite what he said, but Samhain, I think, is some sort of, like, pagan holiday on Halloween that's now become associated with the occult or demons somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have that a little bit wrong, but yeah. I think what they're basically trying to, like, insinuate is Michael's pure evil, and there's yeah. evidence of it, and... It all just felt a little unnecessary to me. Sure, just kind of build the hype up. Yeah, and I thought what was really scary about Michael in the first one, and I feel like John Carpenter has even said so, is just that he's no, there's no reason to him. He's just yeah. pure evil. There's no explanation. Yeah, that 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 is is a lot uh, more evil. Like uh, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think we talked about that too. Just like the randomness of it, uh, just makes it so much more scary. 
And I think you're right. Like this was like them trying to provide some context or background or like make sense of like the madness. And that kind of does take away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so too. Um, anyway, Loomis at this point connects the dots and realizes that Michael's headed to the hospital to kill Lori, his sister. So Loomis arrives at the hospital with this other woman who also works at his house, his mental institution and a cop, um, and as they arrive, we've just kind of ended or we're maybe at the climax of a chase sequence between Michael and Lori. Like he's found her in the hospital and she's running from him. And it's a really well shot, fun chase sequence, I think, through this hospital. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a weird part where he like stabs, he comes into her room, like stabs like what we think is her, but she somehow escaped, uh, which I, I don't know how she escaped the hospital room without anyone noticing. But yeah, there's, there's a fun cat and mouse around the hospital. Yeah, yeah. This hospital had some some issues in terms of its being grounded in reality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like any nurse would get pissed watching this movie because the nurses basically just had nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, just have sex in hot tubs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, every nurse I've ever seen is, like, covered in barf and poop and blood right. and, like, lifting a 90-year-old person up above yeah, their head. I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this this was a very unreal hospital. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, I I, th- I think that's what I thought the whole movie. And then at the end, uh, I kind of thought, oh, maybe it's because it's a clinic and not a hospital. But I, I couldn't tell. Either way, it's surprising that she didn't have more of a police guard there, given she'd just been, like, attacked. You'd think there'd be, like, some kind of police detail around there. That is, like, the biggest plot hole. It's like the police are conducting this investigation, trying to figure out who Michael is, what he wants, where he might be, and nobody's asking the sole survivor of the murdering spree anything. I know. <laughs> like, what happened to you? What's going on? And just, like, yeah. Yeah, forgot about her. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It is a lazily written script. And you can see, I feel like John Carpenter has almost said as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, I wasn't into it. I was just, like, at the keyboard racking my brain. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Or that yeah. typewriter. Yeah, his heart wasn't in this one. I don't feel like a lot of brain cells are being used. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to not... I mean, there's there are good things about this movie, which we'll talk about too. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, they get there to the hospital. Lori's escaped the hospital at this point and is out in the parking lot, but all the tires of all the cars have been slashed and she can't start anything. She can't escape. So then she runs into the hospital after them asking them to let her in. They do so, and then Michael is there. Loomis shoots him a bunch of times, and he looks like he's dead. We all know better, so does Loomis, but this cop he's with goes right up to him, and Michael kills him. Uh, Then he, Michael, chases Loomis and Laurie Strode into this operating room, and Loomis gets pretty severely stabbed in the stomach. And he's given Laurie a gun, and Laurie shoots Michael in the eyes, blinding him. So then he's kind of, Michael's swinging this knife around the room, like making his way to Laurie. And Loomis distracts him by opening these gas canisters in the room or pulling like these pipes off the wall, essentially making gas leak into the room. And this hissing sound distracts him, and he starts moving to that side of the room, swinging his knife. And so Laurie and Loomis do this back and forth, kind of like, hey, we're over here now. And they, they pull a, open a canister or pull a pipe or something and make another hissing sound. Uh, and eventually Loomis tells Laurie to just get the hell out of here. And he lights a lighter and the whole room explodes. 
and Michael walks out of the room slowly, completely engulfed in flames, and then eventually collapses and presumably just burns to death there on the floor of the hospital. And we close with Lori in the morning being transferred to another hospital. She's fine. <laughs> you think they're going to have police detail on her at this new hospital? <laughs> they're like, who's, who's that? I don't know. We'll get yeah. her out of here. Let's go figure out what happened back there. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I agree with a lot of the points you made. Like, the a lot of parts of the story felt, like, cheaply thrown in, um, you know, more for shock value. Throughout, throughout the film, did, did you uh, notice, like, just how uh, they would, like, zoom in on, like, stabs or on, like, the syringes that, like, to give injections? Even, like, when it was just, like, Lori coming in and they were just, like, admitting her into the hospital, they did this, like, really close-up unnecessarily on her getting the a shot of something to, to put her to sleep. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that all adds into that that gore that he was going for, which it felt kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely a syringe in somebody's eye at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. That was that was also a crazy kill. Yeah. Um, could you believe? I, I at one point they mentioned that Michael Myers is only twenty one in this whole film. Did you did you realize that? Yeah, there's a bit of an error that in the first film where I think the math that they give would indicate that he's twenty one. Oh. But then in the credits, they show that he's, they say 23-year-old Michael is played by. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, I think they're confused about what age he actually is. That's that's pretty, like, I never would what have guessed. What age is evil, Ashvin? I know. 20, yeah, that's true. You can't put a number on that. <laughs> <laughs> what age do you think you were the worst person at? <laughs> I guess 21 sounds about right. 21? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could uh, that that might make a little sense. Yeah, I feel like my morality between eighteen and twenty one was probably at its lowest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's understandable. Uh, twenty, there was another dip in my mid twenties. <laughs> Wait till we hit our forties, then we'll get really dark. <laughs> uh, much, much higher kill count though, right? Than the, than the first one. Uh, it feels like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that stat in front of me, but it does feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, so I, I thought, like, outside of, like, a higher kill count, uh, more gore, I felt like they stayed pretty true to, like, what worked in the first one in terms of, like, having an interesting setting, building that atmosphere, and, um, you know, using Michael effectively. Um, but, uh, yeah, some of, some of the writing, I guess, uh, didn't really add up, but yeah, I, I can kind of overlook that uh, overall. So I, I, I kind of enjoyed it uh, overall and just felt like an expansion on the first one while staying true to its roots. Uh, what, what did you think? I kind of agree with you. It's, it's kind of like they had a lot of goodwill builds up from the first one. Like, Michael's a great villain, and Dr. Loomis and Laurie Strode are both pretty good characters. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just didn't have to totally mess up. Yeah. In, in some ways. Um, and yeah, it, w- it was really sh- well shot and had some cohesion with the first one. Mm-hmm. I think one striking thing for me was that on watching it again, the last time I saw it was a long time ago. Jamie Lee Curtis really isn't in that this movie that much. That's true. And and did her character like bother you at all in this one? Like, uh, I know she's she's weak from the first movie, so half this movie she's kind of just crawling around or, or dragging herself, and she's kind of in and out of consciousness. And then, um, yeah, I, I guess uh, she's she's not fighting back as much. More like she's uh, you know just running away the whole time. Versus the first one, where I think she fought Michael more. Did that that bother you at all? Not really. It was just kind of a surprise. Like she just wasn't even much of a character. Um, yeah. 
there's this thing, I'm probably going to butcher this, I'm not a screenwriter, but I think in like thriller movies, there's this term like the MacGuffin. It's like the plot device of what they're trying to get or what the whole like cat and mouse game is about. Like, so maybe it would be jewels in like yeah. a old thriller movie. Like the villains after these jewels and the main characters got them and they're going back and forth and where are the jewels now? Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of like the MacGuffin in this movie. She's basically sure. just the target, like the reason Michael Myers is going to the hospital. Yeah. And Loomis is really the main character. Huh. That's really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, because he definitely talks a lot more than she does. Yeah, um, she, yeah, she really doesn't have any speaking lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's true. She's just kind of like the bait that uh, that sets the whole setting up for, for this. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Um, uh, yeah, but, but you liked her performance overall? I, uh, no, I, I guess I thought it was weaker than the first one, but yeah. she also didn't really have anything to work with. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's just just the writing of it. And then uh, you're right, like Loomis kind of took the spotlight. I feel like he gave a few speeches, which I know he did in the first one too. Um, I think he, his job, he's he kind of feels like Michael Myers' hype man. Like he shows up in the small town in the first one too. He's like, oh, you haven't, you don't know evil until you see this guy. He's the worst. He's the devil, so, you know, Samhain or whatever. And then in this one too, I feel like he's just going around like preaching people about like how evil Michael Myers is. Yeah, and then like Michael Myers murders somebody, and in the background, Loomis is DJing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, adding the sound effects. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Loomis. <laughs> um, I heard Loomis like into, uh, or I read somewhere him like into Van Helsing, the vampire hunter in the in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, sure, sure. He kind of is. I really like his plight. I like him as a character, and I like the the story there. Like, mm-hmm. he's my patient, and, like, I have to stop him. I know him better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he also just wasn't given that great of lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's a few times where, like, uh, people are like, like, you let him out, and we know, like, the mechanics of it and that it wasn't Loomis's fault. Yeah. But I feel like three times in the movie he's just like, it wasn't me. Like, come <laughs> yeah. on. Like, I know. no, it wasn't me. Like, <laughs> it, it was just like so not intriguing. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> give us something deeper here. Yeah, say a little bit more. <laughs> like, <laughs> expand on that. Like, yeah, just, defend yourself a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then like the 17 year old dying, uh, like, that uh, that kind of made that plot more interesting too. Just Loomis's played a bit more interesting. Yeah, that was dark. Like some random seventeen-year-old just being exploded on. Was, um, I, oh, I, dude, speak. Go ahead. Go ahead. You oh, go. but outside of Loomis, like, what, what did you think of like the other characters? Cause I, I feel like they didn't really flesh out too many of them. No, they didn't. It, it really did feel a bit more like a Friday the Thirteenth movie because, like, even that first kill is we don't know that girl. I guess mm-hmm. in the first movie, the first kill, you don't know Michael's sister. Yeah, But true. then after that first kill, it felt like it was a long time, and the next person that died was somebody we knew. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, it's just a security card, I think, is the next person that dies. Yeah, yeah. So they really are just kind of de- trying to knock off bodies, and the characters are all just cardboard cutouts. Right, Loomis right. is really the only character that that has any substantiality to him well they try to build up Substance. this relationship between jimmy that one like ambulance driver or whatever 
and uh, Lori, which is really weird because I, I don't even know what happens to him. That storyline or arc doesn't go anywhere. Does he die in the car later? I don't know if he was dead or just like unconscious and right. hard, having a hard time functioning because he slipped and hit his head. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I thought I thought they were trying to. Yeah, build that kinda kind of went nowhere. Mm-hmm. I there was an effort, to, but yeah, I thought they were trying to build like a love story or something, but that didn't yeah. work out. Kind of half-ass. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned the hot tub kill was good. There was another kill where he like stabbed a woman and lifted her up with the knife. Oh, and you can mm-hmm. see a shot where her feet are dangling and then her shoes fall off. Yeah, yeah. Something about that really disturbed me, her shoes falling off. Which woman was that? Was that the one who discovers the doctor with the needle in her eye? Uh, I can't remember now. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that, that, was, that was pretty cool. And then, like, as soon as her shoes drop and hit the floor, that the score, the part of the score that's like, don't, don't, don't. I yeah. don't know. It just like really worked there, the pacing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of oh, the score, by the way, what yeah. did you think of it? They changed it a bit. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I loved uh, they, the, the song they opened and closed the movie with, Mr. Sandman, like that, that whole like vinyl kind of old song. I, I thought that was pretty genius. Yep. Much, uh, I love like old, like 50s happy go lucky music juxtaposed with yeah. scary stuff. They do that a bit in like Get Out, I think, right? In like when the yep, they do it in Get Out. I feel like maybe they do it in Insidious at some point. Yeah. Um, and they do it in the first, very first episode of American Horror Story. Does it really well? Yeah, that's a cool contrast. I enjoyed yeah. that. Um, and then and then yeah, he obviously still had the theme song in there, which did also that's a masterpiece. Yeah, but he they changed it a little bit. Did you notice that? Um, I felt like it was a little more electronic in the air, like a little more. Uh, they're like yeah, a little more synth heavy. Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, it was it was done on a synth instead of a like keyboard piano. Oh, oh, cool. I yeah, I liked it. Did did you like it? I liked it a little. It was still good. I liked it a little less than the first one though. Oh, okay. Um, did you so your your whole thoughts on the whole brother sister thing just unnecessary or do you think Yeah, it's unnecessary. Um and it I think it took away a little bit from the movie, but really this movie just kind of, to me, was a bit about more about the aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I think that speaks to the director because he could have taken this in like a whole new direction, like based on his taste and the fact that like he kept the aesthetic similar to the first one, like so closely. I, I think that was a pretty smart choice. I think so too. I feel like he had such a good thing going and just like not fucking that up. Yeah, and the primary goal is not a bad route to go. Yeah, yeah. Which Especially I, I, when you know the people who wrote it aren't that into it, like, <laughs> yeah, and know. that it's basically just a money grab. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this one has like a thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Why do you think the reviews are so low on this one compared to the other ones, or the first one? I, I guess. feel like people didn't appreciate the low brow approach. With mm-hmm the higher body count and more gore because the first one it's really just a slasher movie but it gets a lot of respect because it's super efficient it builds the suspense and it really doesn't have that much gore yeah yeah right like that movie captured lightning in a bottle yeah and then this one kind of descended into any old 80s slasher territory but I still (laughs) think it was a cut above yeah I agree I agree. 
largely I do think I do think uh, the dis- the director's choice to kind of try to stick stylistically to the first one and like Dean Cundey's cinematography I think are standout things here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And Loomis, even though his character had some flaws, the way it was written, Donald Pleasance is a solid actor. He is, yeah. He's, he brings a good intensity to his role. Yeah. And, and kind of like this franticness where he's trying to convince people of like something that's coming. Right, yeah. The stupid ass Haddonfield police. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that part just seems so like unbelievable that like the police would be so lax about this, let this patient go to the hospital and not... No kind of like witness protection or anything. Yeah, that part's hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually there is a uh, an entire podcast about how horror movie characters do really dumb things called Lights, Camera, Know that is being started by uh, our friend Whitney who talks with us at our Discord server. Oh, so. that's awesome. That's the, that's good. It's going to be about uh, horror, ca- horror film characters and their bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. As we record this, they're launching their first episode tomorrow. So by the time people hear this, they I'm guessing they'll probably have a few episodes out already. So go check that out. Awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, anyway, man, zero to five syringes in the eye. How many do you give this movie? Uh, yeah, it's this, this one's so hard. Uh, I think three and a half. Uh, just, you know, yeah, great, great addition. But then there, there are some things that took away a little bit from the original uh, but overall, yeah, it was fun to watch. So I'd say three and a half syringes to the eye. What about you? Yep, that's exactly what I had. Damn. All right. <laughs> um, I think this would be really good to kind of have on in the background of a Halloween party or something. Yeah, because it's got like the kills every now and then, like at the right frequency. and But it's not like scary, too scary at all. Yeah, yeah. And the visuals are, are compelling. Yeah, no real plot you have to pay attention to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Oh, how would you rank, uh, so of the three Halloweens we reviewed uh, on this podcast so far, where does this one fall? Boy, that's a good question. I mean, Halloween, the original, is number one for sure. Definitely. But between this and the 2018 Halloween, I think I gave the 2018 a 3.52. Oh, shoot, Ty. I think maybe I would... Give this one the slight edge, Halloween 2, but mm-hmm. I don't know. What about you? I think I would agree with you, yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm, I probably gave them both a 3.5 as well, but uh, this one, just for originality um, and like a, a cool new setting, uh, I, I, yeah, I think, I think I'd think i put this one above the remake. Yeah, and there's some nostalgia for this one too. Like, mm-hmm. I did see it a long time ago, and it's just nostalgia because it's so similar to the first one aesthetically. Yeah, and uh, obviously breasts, you know, plus, yeah. plus one on this one. <laughs> yeah, plus. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, yeah, man, anything else? Uh, no, no, I'm good. All right. Cool. Well, that's it, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode on Halloween 2. Um, if you enjoyed it, you can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find our show, and it makes us feel nice and warm inside. Uh, if you want to join the discussion, you can find all of our social links on our website, horrormovieclub.com. There's also a link there for our Discord server where we are chatting with a small group of friends about movies and just anything really that comes up. It's actually a ton of fun, Ashwin. You're, you're not on there as much, Ashwin, but I've really been having a lot of fun. There's yeah. solid people on our Discord server. Yeah, yeah. It looks like some great discussions. Yeah. 
Uh, we also have a Patreon account where I, at this point in time, have one bonus episode up there, and maybe there'll be another one by the time you hear this. So if you want to support us financially, uh, throw a buck our way every month or something, patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Uh, our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. Check her out on Etsy.com. She's got all sorts of great horror art. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I got. But until next time, if you're conducting a police investigation on a string of murders and there's only one survivor, I would go to the hospital and spend some quality time questioning her instead of just assuming the problem itself. Yeah. And, uh, and happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween.